Welcome in to another episode of the Varsity Breakdown Podcast. I'm your host, Daniel Guevara. And with me, as always, is Mr. Lupe Ramirez. And this is episode 22, and we have a lot to talk about this week as we are recapping week one of the 2A and 3A seasons and also going to dive into week two, which we're going to include two more teams that will be kicking off uh, their seasons this Friday. But before we uh, get into all of that, let's uh, start off with our uh, game of the week, which was the Coolidge Bears taking on the Sabino Sabercats. Loop, uh, what was your biggest takeaway uh, for that game on Friday night? Um, well, for that game and every game from here on out, every team needs to prepare for adverse weather. One thing that we noticed that when we were in Sabino was there was a light drizzle. It was through, you know constant throughout the entire game, and we see it. We've seen it play a big factor for both teams at one point, but mainly Coolidge in the beginning because there was a lot of, not necessarily miscommunications, but a lot of uh, missed balls. And, and and even at one point, there was uh, a chant on the Sabino sidelines where they said Butterfingers, but it was no, you know, nothing that Ethan and the center couldn't do, but, he, you know, because, you know, it was just the weather. But that's one thing that I see uh Coolidge and other teams needing to do is prepare for rain because it's going to be a wet football season. Yeah, a lot of the uh, rain's been going on across the state, you know, just so a weird front that's here right now. And, you know, so all teams are going to have to deal with that, of course. Uh, But I think the biggest takeaway for me this week was uh, the amount of plays that were executed or lack thereof uh, for all teams. Um, I felt Coolidge, though, really surprised me on Friday night. Um, I did uh, see them uh, face some adversity early on in the game as they were down 13-0 and couldn't really get things going in their first couple of drives. But then I think what uh, helped change the game, which was uh, Gavin's uh, punt, which should have been a punt. uh, He happened to have the ball get snapped over his head and uh, ended up picking up the first down uh, to help keep the drive alive. And then that's when Coolidge was uh, able to continue to drive down the field and pick up their first touchdown by a quarterback sneak uh, from uh, Ethan Ramirez. Uh, to finally get him on the board. Uh, and Coolidge actually led at halftime 14-13 uh, to 13, uh, after uh, Ethan uh, connected with uh, Gavin uh, to put Coolidge up. And then Salim and uh, Maurice connected on a, a special teams uh, a fake that ended up giving them two points uh, to uh, take the lead 14-13 uh, to 13 at halftime. What was surprising for you uh, about Coolidge and uh, their game plan on Friday night? One thing that was surprising to me was how uncharacteristically slow the secondary was. We uh, unfortunately got to see them get burned a couple of times where, you know, the offense on Sabino's side was able to make some huge plays. And, uh, and it was, there wasn't any, anything really that, it, you know, that could have been done then. But I noticed that Jalil, after, you know, getting burnt that, uh, that first time in the first half, you know, he didn't let that happen too often. He stayed, at, you know, ahead of his opponents and made sure that, you know, the coverage was there. But Sabino was just a really talented team. And, and, you know, shout out to them because, you know, they played a hell of a game and they didn't hold up. I mean, at the end, they they knew that Coolidge was coming because it wasn't, you know, a walk in the park for them at all. Oh, most definitely not. And I think that's the fight in Coolidge that I saw, you know, not to give up, even when Sabino took the lead in the second half. Uh, They were still, you know, marching down the field. Uh, I don't think they uh, really... uh, 
fell apart until late in the fourth quarter when they were having to force the ball downfield to try and score quickly. Uh, that's when you've seen uh, Ethan throw uh, the two uh, late interceptions in the fourth quarter. But I think one of the things that I saw that I would like Coolidge to improve on is not giving up on the play. Um, you know, I recorded majority of the game as many plays as I could and I started reviewing them and you know trying to figure out what was good about Coolidge what was bad and I think one of the things I saw is that their blockers whether it's offensive line or you know anybody that which has the responsibility to block downfield they would go touch one guy and then stop they weren't continuously going up to the next level you know if they blocked the lineman going up to the linebackers or to the secondary they would just block one guy and stop or sometimes, you know, act like they were going to get ready to block them. And then the person with the ball is so fast that they burn by them and then the guy would tackle them. And I didn't feel that Coolidge, uh, every time things went wrong, you know, we saw the heads hanging, you know, we saw the pointing of the fingers and stuff like that. And I felt like it wasn't just one person, you know what I mean? It was multiple people. And, you know, I, I've shown you those uh, clips mm -hmm. and it's kind of like you don't give up on the play until the whistle blows. That's at least what I was taught. And I know Coach Shanks has to preach that to his uh, players. Uh, you know, he's an experienced guy and I know he preaches that to them. But it was like once they felt Belcom, Ethan, Maurice, whoever had the ball was kind of wrapped up and they were done for, even though they were continuously trying to fight for extra yards, they would stop. And turn and you turn away and that would be the end of the play. And I feel that you can't do that, especially on a team as experienced as Sabino. So that's one of the things I hope that they can clean up uh, going into next week. But what were some of the uh, positives that you saw uh, from Coolidge? One of the main positives that I saw was the poise and confidence in young Ethan Ramirez. He did great that game. Uh, I caught him in stride a couple of times where he was running it. And, and I know that in a couple of your clips, you can actually hear me, you know, run or, or move, move, move. And, and, and he did just that. And, and what was funny is he was one that the players had to tell to go down because he was fighting to stay up. And, and I loved that. He had a really good game. Three touchdowns total to himself and one in the air. That, that one beautiful pass that you caught from uh, that you caught to Gavin and that was one thing that was really special. And talking to Gianni on the side, because, you know, he had to sit out this game. He was like, man, this team is really good. We just, you know, need to focus and we're going to come back stronger. And knowing who they're playing next week, they have a huge opportunity to do just that against the Tempe Buffaloes. Yeah, I definitely agree. Uh, Ethan did uh, show a lot of poise in the pocket, especially from the amount of rush uh, that you felt from Sabino uh, all game. Uh, one of the biggest takeaways for me uh, in, a, in a positive light was the ability to wrap up. I preached about that uh, last week, uh, being a concern for Coolidge uh, coming into this game. And I thought that as a team, as a whole on defense, they executed that part of the game. Mm -hmm. You know, I, I feel that they were four or five plays away from taking home a victory on Friday night. The two big passes uh, by Cam Hackworth uh, early in the first half, to me, set the tone uh, for Sabino. But then Coolidge came back and shut him down. And then you come into the second half. What happened again? They gave up another big pass. And then, of course, uh, Ethan had the uh, pick six that kind of sealed the game. But four or five plays, and they're probably getting on that bus with a victory. And, you know, so I think coming into uh, 
this week's game against Tempe, you're going to see them a lot more hungrier, a lot more like, you know what? This wasn't a fluke. We are the real deal. Now we just got to clean these things up and we're going to uh, take care of business uh, come Friday night. No, definitely. And if you want to talk about things that they can definitely improve on, let's talk about one of the things I heard Coach Shanks yell across the field to Gavin when he made a huge play was weight room, Gavin, weight room. That's another thing. These kids need to definitely take themselves seriously when they're in the weight room and when they're doing conditioning. One thing we saw on the sidelines was a lot of players gassed and a lot of players asking you know, the, the trainers for more water. They need to definitely make sure they're hydrated and fully conditioned so that way when they come out on Friday, because the weather in Coolidge that day is, is, is bound to be a hot one, so they need to prepare to if they want to fully take advantage of this Tempe Buffalo team, they need to stay hydrated, conditioned, and stay strong out there, Bears. So outside of uh, Ethan, uh, which you mentioned, uh, who were some of the players that caught your attention as well? Well, seeing the speed and the quickness of Javante live and in person like that was definitely great. And then seeing how easily Gage can get into the, the opponent, their head, while he's you know lined up with them, that is great. Mm-hmm. Um, I almost got taken out, and you almost got taken out too yep. by them when they were coming out to the sideline. But what was crazy was... When Gage finally slid into me and I was actually trying to help him up, he had no, he had won none of that. He wanted to get right back up onto the field and himself and just get right back into the game. And that was one thing that I loved to be actually right there on the sidelines and witness that action and to actually have our good friend Chris Kidney in the stands for another game. It, it, it was a really fun experience. It wasn't the exact uh, outcome that we were hoping for or I, that I was hoping for because you right. actually predicted Sabino to win, but. It was a great game, and talking to a lot of the players after the game, they they understood you know what happened, and they they know what they need to do to correct it, and I know that they will do exactly that this Friday. Yeah, and before we move on, uh, I just wanted to mention uh, two other uh, players that stood out to me. Uh, one of them uh, being uh, Matthew Makazan. We know what he can do at the defensive end position uh, from what he did last year. But I think one of the things I seen him improve most uh, from last year to this year was his awareness of where the ball was. Even though he was pursuing to, you know, cover his gap, you seen him keep an eye on the ball and adjust accordingly, especially when they did the read options. And he was making uh, constant tackles at the line of scrimmage or in the backfield. And I think that, Going forward, if nobody can stop this guy, uh, he's going to definitely be a force to be reckoned with, especially when Andre Dukes is getting into the backfield almost every play. And all I need this guy to do a little bit more is not over pursue. That's all he was doing. If he did not over pursue a couple of times, he probably could have had 10 plus uh, tackles on Friday night. And and it's just that front line that Coach Shanks was talking about that I was really impressed uh, with. Also, uh, another uh, person that I wanted to mention, uh, he actually was the Arizona Bowl uh, player of the game, and that's uh, sophomore uh, Maurice Glass. For the inexperience, uh, you know, being a first-time starter uh, full-time on defense, I felt that his awareness was actually pretty good for only being a sophomore. You know, he was wrapping up, putting his head down in there, and, you know, I talked to him a little bit after the game, and he said, you know what, he feels so good on defense, he just wants to hit people and you know that's the fun part about defense and you know he finished with 11 tackles and one tackle for loss and I think it's only going to get better the more he learns the game and as he perfects his craft along the way 
But like those three guys to me, and, uh, and uh, we could talk about Gavin on both sides of the ball all day, but uh, those three guys to me, I felt moved up a couple notches uh, in my books, especially on the defensive end. But, you know, it's it was a great game. And, you know, unfortunately, Coolidge did take the loss, but definitely have a chance to bounce back this week. Uh, but let's dive in uh, to the next game, which is the Santan Foothill Sabercats as they hosted the Palo Verde uh, Titans. So uh, Santan Foothills uh, won 48 to zero, pretty much kind of what we expected this week. Mm-hmm. What was uh, some of your takeaways uh, reading the stats uh, from this game? Well, here's some stats on sophomore quarterback Dalton Norman. He went five for six, had 111 yards with one touchdown. There were four different Sabercats that rushed for 30 yards. That's that's pretty good. But then when you think about the team that they were playing, and this is no disrespect to Paula Verde, but they are a low-caliber team right now in the state. Um, the rain really wasn't a factor for them because they you know they did have some misplays because of the rain and, and like i said that's just something that teams are going to have to adjust to but when you look at the score 48 to 0 doesn't look like it really had you know any effect on their win over palo verde santan foothills will actually prepare this week for benson at home and they they are on the right track i just need them to stay focused and not let this win get too much to their heads because now we saw Benson last year. Mm-hmm. Benson is some big boys. They need to prepare for these guys and not take them lightly. Yeah, there was two things that uh, I took away from this game, and it was that the Sabercats rushed for over 300 yards and had five rushing touchdowns, which is very impressive. And that's the type of football that you want to uh, have, especially with the sophomore quarterback. I mean, he went, like you said, he went five for six. So they're not going to allow him to have a lot of pressure on him. That's what I'm kind of seeing. But the other stat that uh, stood out to me was the five uh, turnovers that they forced, uh, five fumble recoveries. So, uh, you know, teams need to uh, be careful about the Sabercats because that just tells me that, you know what, they're trying to strip and knock the ball out as much as they can. I don't know how much of those fumbles were due to the weather, but either way, you got to take care of the ball as much as you can, because if not, you're going to end up with scores like that. So what are some players you would like to highlight from the Sabercats? The Sabercats that obviously stood out to me was obviously QB Dalton Notman, who had an 83% completion rate, but their running back, Colton Hoffman had four carries, 30 yards, and two touchdowns. That's that's pretty good. And you spoke about that too, about their, you know, them establishing their run game this this game. And I hope that it can carry on this Friday when they face Benson. Yeah, and some of the uh other running backs uh that had some good game was uh Eugenio uh Sandoval. Uh he finished uh with 71 yards and a touchdown and and uh, senior uh, Emilio Soto uh, finished with 77 yards and a touchdown as well. But I wanted to talk about one person on the defensive end who had a big game, which was Elijah Fields. Uh, he finished with six tackles, three and a half tackles for loss with a sack, one forced fumble and one fumble recovery. And that's a heck of a way to start off uh, the year for uh, them on the defensive end, because uh, this kid was all over the field that uh, on Friday night. Yeah, all over the field. And I'm glad you brought up Elijah, because on the offensive side, he had two catches with 53 yards and he was the one that had that touchdown in the air. 
So uh, big things uh, for the Sabercats as they come into uh, this Friday night uh, taking on Benson. But let's move on in, uh, to uh, another game that we kind of expected the outcome of. And that was uh, the Santa Cruz of Valley Dust Devils taking on uh, Gil- uh, the Gilbert Christian Knights. Uh, Gilbert Christian uh, ended up knocking off uh, the Dust Devils 34-6. to and uh, they did it uh, pretty early on as they led the game uh, 27 to zero at halftime. So it was pretty much wrapped up by then. Uh, luckily, uh, Santa Cruz was able to get on the board later on in the game. Uh, but what were some of the highlights uh, that caught your eye on from Friday? It's going to be a long road right now for the Dust Devils. Uh, the Knights experience just proved to be way too much for Santa Cruz early in the game. And they have a lot to work on. But we expected that with them, you know, having so much inexperience, but not necessarily inexperience, but so much youth on this team that has, you know, so much to learn because they were seriously senior heavy last year. And with them losing a lot of them to graduation, it, you know, it showed this game. Um, again, you said that they were down 27-0 at the half, but it it just didn't get quite better than that. You know, they got on the board and that's a good thing. And I hope that, you know, at least they can carry some momentum from that into this week. But it it's going to be interesting because they have it. They're going to be facing a team that's, you know, equally just as young as them. And it should be a really competitive game. I think one of the biggest uh, surprises for me uh, coming from Santa Cruz uh, was the amount of uh, passing that they did do. Uh, you know, we talked about. Uh, they lacked that last year and it kind of hurt them uh, later on in the season when their two running backs went down. Uh, but to see uh, Nathan Harris uh, connecting with uh, Joaquin Ramos a few times down the field. And um, I believe I read uh, on Pinal Central uh, from uh, David uh, Church's uh, article that uh, Joaquin was making plays uh, out at the wide receiver position. And that is such a bright spot uh, for the Dust Devils because if your running game can't get going, but you can pass the ball, you can still be competitive. And I feel that once they start getting a better chemistry with each other, I feel that not only will Nathan be able to connect with Joaquin, but you're going to see uh, Mr. Utility, uh, Max Rodriguez, who played in numerous positions that game, uh, start to uh, have a breakout game as well, as uh, they're going to be able to open it up uh, to multiple people. Because uh, I did not expect him to be that utility guy. Uh, you know, I thought he was going to be uh, the the featured back in uh, in the backfield. Uh, but we actually had uh, Jonathan Ramos was the lead back there, and and I could see him staying back there for the uh, foreseeable future. Definitely. And they still have a ton of confidence in them for the rest of the season. One thing that Tommy did mention that I saw on Pinal Central as well was he said age is just a number. Yep. And they have a lot of room to grow. And we we look forward to seeing them get their first win pretty soon. Well, our last game uh, to wrap up the week one recap, uh, we had the Florence Gophers traveling to take on the Parker Bronx. And let me tell you, I heard that it was a doozy. Florence ended up uh, stealing the victory uh, late at the end of the game as uh, Logan uh, Stenson uh, uh, rushed in for the final touchdown with 47 seconds left, giving the Gophers uh, the victory 33-28. to And I know you got to be excited for them as that was one of the picks that, you know what, you said you were going to switch because you felt that confidence in the Gophers, and they did not disappoint. Not at all. I was very happy with the outcome. Um, as we were leaving the Coolidge game, we confirmed that they had won. And it was great to see messages from Coach Gutierrez after the game. 
And we actually got quite a bit of interaction from the, the Florence players as they came back. One message in particular that stood out was from young Tyler Potter. And he said, you are now witnessing the Coach Hart era. And Tyler, I totally agree with you. And this was something that I saw immediately on media day, that this is a new Florence team. And everybody who has them on their schedule needs to be aware that this team is for real. Oh, absolutely. They, you know, the amount of depth, we talked about that last week, plays a big factor. You know, you don't have to play so many guys on both sides of the ball. But I think the the chemistry that they have and the love that they have for each other and the belief that they have in their coach, I didn't see that last year whenever, whenever we were covering them. I felt that whatever Coach Hart has established uh, in this uh, football team, it's going to carry them long term and especially later on in the season as they get ready to contend for a playoff spot. What was a player that stood out to you, whether it was on the offense or defensive end? Well, it was a couple on the offensive end that really shined the brightest. But of course, I got to give big kudos to quarterback Logan Stenson for winning the game for his team. But that's not it. They had three rushing touchdowns from their running back, Josh Jackson. And Josh, you lit it up out there, my boy. And it was a hard-fought victory. They they had no easy win in this game. They were down at the half 28-14 to 14 and held Parker to that in order to beat them 33-28. to 28. And what kind of sucks is when you look at Max Preps, Max Preps has Florence 0-1 right now. And I think that's something that, you know, that needs to be corrected. And I know that will be soon. But that's, an, that's just a, an, a friendly reminder that the stats need to be put in so that way, you know, the picture – that you have in your city and in your program is painted correctly. Oh, without a doubt. Uh, you know, and they had a plethora of players that could have stood out to us. Uh, you know, Logan, uh, 171 uh, yards passing for being the QB one, getting his, you know, being the guy, you know, to come out and get the game winning touchdown. It has to boost his morale, you know, dramatically. Uh, but even on the uh, defensive end, I mean, uh, Quade Lewis uh, picked up uh, 10 uh, tackles and a tackle for loss, but it just seemed like uh, their defense was all over the place in the second half. And to shut out a Parker team in the second half and score 19 unanswered points, I mean, it just shows the grit that the Gophers have. And what did I always say since the beginning? If you let them hang around, they're going to come back and beat you. And that's exactly what they did Friday night. So even though I didn't pick them, I will take that and, you know, I will uh, bite the bullet on that one. And I apologize to the Gophers. Like, you guys should pat yourself on the back and and enjoy this victory uh, because come uh, this week, I mean, you have an opponent that we saw what Santan Foothills has done to them. We don't expect them to be a great team this year. But go out and do it again and go out and dominate this game and show the 3A Central that, hey, it's not just Coolidge and Eastmark up there. You got to include the Gophers in those uh, top teams as well. Yeah, they had a lot of players that did well on the defense. We can't forget about Wrangler Gilliams or Isaiah Martinez. He had six solo tackles and 10 total tackles himself. And of course, you know, we got to show love to Anthony Pistorio, who had three receptions and 49 yards, the highest receiving yards on that night. Well, since we uh, wrapped up the week one recap, why don't we do uh, what everybody loves every single week? And let's give out some awards. Uh, let's start off with this was a unanimous decision between us both. I like the way I did it when I came in. I was like, on the count of three, 
Don't even think about it. Just say it. Who is your varsity breakout player? So on the offensive end, our varsity breakout player is going to go to none other than Josh Jackson of the Florence Gophers, who ended up finishing the night with 24 carries, 157 rushing yards, and three touchdowns. So congratulations, Josh. Uh, We're going to get that graphic out there and made for you uh, here in the next day or so. And, you know, keep it going. I mean, that was one of the guys that from the moment we walked uh, into that school, they said, hey, keep an eye on this guy because he's going to be the real deal this year. And that's exactly what he is. Josh Jackson is the next big thing. And I hope we're not disrespecting him by calling him Josh. And I know his he goes by Joshua, but hey, bro, let us know and we'll correct it. But you are going to be a stud this year. Just keep it up. All right, so let's keep it moving and move into our defensive player. And why don't you let the people know uh, who we decided on this one? That will go to none other than Elijah Fields of the Santan Foothills Sabercats. He had three solo tackles, three assisted tackles, and three and a half tackles for loss. It was a great game for number 88. And and I think that the sky is the limit for this kid. He has a lot of potential, and this year is going to be very telling for him. Oh, yeah. And then, you know, to add on, he had the one sack, one forced fumble and fumble recovery. So definitely a great way uh, to start off uh, his year. Uh, But let's move into our special teams player of the week, which is going to go to Javante Wall of the Coolidge Bears, who finished with 93 uh, kickoff return uh, yards on just three returns. So he was averaging close to uh, 32 yards uh, per return. Uh, but I mean, we saw him nearly break a couple of those uh, for a touchdown uh, if uh, the blocks would have held up and, you know, he, uh, he would have been able to break away. But there's something special that Coolidge has uh, in that return game. And I think Javante is definitely going to be a front runner for our special teams player of the week every week if he continues to perform like this. His lateral movement is unreal, bro. Like you got some great shots of him dodging players, you know, coming at him and He's going to be undeniable this year. I, I tell you that. Well, you know, as week one comes to an end, it was a lot of fun. You know, I'm glad to be able to acknowledge uh, some of these teams and to finally be talking about football again. Feels really exciting. Uh, just so uh, everybody is aware about where our picks stand uh, from week to week. I finished uh, three and one for the week and you uh, finished two and two. Uh, of course, uh, one of those picks we would have said uh, you would have probably went the other way if you knew about this team early on in the season. We both would have probably been at three and one. Uh, but my loss came from the Florence Gophers game and your loss uh, and your two losses uh, came from the Santan Foothills and Coolidge Bears game. So, uh, I mean, for us uh, to only be one game apart uh, for the first week of the season. I only know we're going to be keeping track a lot more uh, this week. Without wasting any time, let's dive on in to these week two games, make our predictions, whether we're going to switch our picks or not. Uh, But let's start off with a team that's going to be kicking off their season this week after having a first uh, week bye, and that's going to be the ALA Ironwood Warriors as they're going to be hosting the Arizona Lutheran Coyotes. What are your thoughts on this game? It's going to be a tough matchup for the Warriors. I hope that they're really prepared because the defending 2A state champions now in 3A will be a force to be reckoned with. One thing that we noticed last year when we saw them play against Santa Cruz was 
they are relentless. They don't stop. They mm -hmm. they keep that energy going from whistle to whistle. They they do not stop. And the only time that they even seemed really close to losing, they ended up capitalizing on a mistake Santa Cruz made and, and ended up winning that game. No, I would definitely have to agree. Uh, Arizona Lutheran is a deep team uh, year in and year out. Coming off a state championship title, I know that they're going to want to make their presence felt here in the 3A. And I feel that the Warriors experience is what's going to cost them in the end. Being such a young team, I feel that we're going to see the same situation happen to them as uh, it did to uh, the Santa Cruz Dust Devils. And, and, you know, it's not to say that they can't be competitive. It's just the amount of experience and the coaching ability of Arizona Lutheran is going to make its impact come Friday night. And you never know, ALA might prove to be the, the better ALA because technically Arizona Lutheran is an ALA because Arizona Lutheran Academy. But I, I don't know. I, it's going to be tough. It's going to be a really tough matchup for them. It, it's going to come down to what it looks like at halftime. If if ALA is up big, then we you know we can expect to what to happen. But I, I think there's going to be a lot of fight in the Warriors in this game. So what's going to be uh, your final prediction uh, for this week? Who are you taking? Are you taking the Coyotes or are you going to take the Warriors? I got to go with my original pick on this one. I, I, I just don't see these Coyotes giving it up you know, that easy on their first game of the season. They're going to be trying to make a statement, and I think they're going to do just that. I definitely have to agree with you. Uh, I feel that the Coyotes, even though they're a smaller team, you know, size-wise, uh, they are just – ferocious they you know like you said start start to finish from whistle to whistle they're gonna give it to the warriors you know from first quarter to fourth quarter and i feel that i'm gonna get to see what the warriors are gonna be about this year uh but doesn't mean that i feel it's gonna be a complete blowout i do see maybe a three three uh touchdown game uh for uh the coyotes but i i just want the warriors to like you said keep fighting you know, you never know what's going to happen in a game if you give up early on, especially, you know, uh, being down early. We've seen uh, teams be resilient this past week, and I feel that the Warriors can do just that as long as they keep it within striking distance uh, to uh, keep the game close. That's interesting that you have them losing by that much. I think it's going to be a much more tightly contested game. I actually give them maybe 10 points max. Okay. Okay. So that's going to be something to keep our eye on uh, is that total score. So uh, let's move into uh, game two, which is going to be the Florence Gophers taking on the Palo Verde Titans. Um, I feel that this one is going to be a unanimous uh, decision between both of us. Uh, what the Gophers did this past week. I know that momentum is just going to carry on into uh, their matchup with the Titans. How many points do you think the Gophers are going to put up this week? I say a smooth 60. And I say this too. Anthony Pistorio gets his first touchdown of the season in that game. Okay. Mark my words. Okay, okay. You know, I feel it's going to be a high-scoring game for the Gophers as well. Um, and I think that the defensive side is going to create a lot of turnovers and, and be harassing the Titans uh, the whole game. You know, and that's going to allow uh, Florence's offense to uh, get going early. And uh, I think that this game should be over by halftime. You know, to me, you can't come off of a two-year layoff uh, from playing football and expect to be competitive. You got to build that team up 
and you know, I just don't know how they do that this week with just with a tough team like Florence. Uh, you know, speaking of uh, Paula Verde, to me, it, it kills me to see teams like that because, you know, I don't want games like that. You know, I want our teams to play, you know, some of the tough competitions that are out there. But, you know, unfortunately, there are teams that may need to go down another level. And I mean, Paula Verde, I believe at one time was a 5A team. And, you know, that now they're uh, down in 3A and it just doesn't look very promising, uh, you know, for them uh, going down the road. No, it doesn't. And and the way that that and the way that that defensive line wasn't able to contain Santan Foothills last week, I don't think that the Florence Gophers will have any trouble with them at all. I think mm-hmm. that Josh Jackson is going to run through them like milk through a lactose intolerance person digestive system, bro. <laughs> uh, I wasn't expecting that comment, but okay, I got I like where you're going there, but yeah, no, definitely uh Definitely going to see a lot of players um, be able to uh, shine uh, for the Gophers this week. And, you know, I expect the Gophers to be 2-0 and by the end of Friday. So let's move on into uh, game three, uh, which is going to be the Coolidge Bears looking to get back on track and back in the win column as they take on the Tempe Buffaloes. And this is another one uh, that I kind of expect to get out of hand early. Uh, Tempe, as you know, um, finished 0 and 10 last year. Um, they lost to uh, Shadow Mountain 24 to 6. Shadow Mountain is another team that finished 0 and 10 last year. So you kind of see where Tempe's level of play is going to be at coming this Friday. I don't think it's going to be very good, but I do think that this is going to allow Coolidge to find their identity and find which players are going to make those plays on a consistent basis. And one of those players that they need to expose as far as athleticism is young Gavin Gunter. We saw a lot of him last Friday, and I expect to see a whole lot of his name being brought up about this game as well. Oh, yeah, most definitely. And um, one thing I want to see from Coolidge, a little bit more consistency uh, from the running backs. I know it was a tough game. You know, the offensive line struggled a little bit uh, with assignments. Uh, You could see that uh, against Sabino that – I don't think they were picking up the guys that they were supposed to uh, at that time, but it's a it's the perfect game to get your run game going because you do that with the talent that they have at the wide receiver position, you know, and I'm talking about Gavin, I'm talking about Wanye, uh, Gage, uh, and then even Jordan. I mean, Jordan had a quiet game uh, last week, but all those guys can easily make plays uh, game in and game out. And I think once you establish a consistent running game, uh, whether it's Belka, Maurice, or Javante, whoever's back there, it's going to make things easier for Ethan. And, you know, it's going to allow for uh, these talented wide receivers to make plays as well. Yeah, exactly. And I don't expect Ethan to do a whole lot of scrambling this game. So he will Mm -hmm. definitely have a lot of time to focus on that run game and the pass game as well. So moving on into game four, we have the Santa Cruz uh, Dust Devils taking on the Bisbee Pumas. Uh, the Dust Devils will uh, look to also be getting into the win column as, and Bisbee will be having their first game. Uh, so how do you see this one playing out? Because it's a very good matchup for both teams. Yeah, it is. I, I see it. Well, since it's a home game, I see it being a definite upside for Santa Cruz. They'll have a lot of that support system that we saw the city gave them last year Mm -hmm. at this game. And I think that's going to be a huge confidence boost for these Dust Devils as they take on another young team in the Bisbee Pumas. 
Oh, yeah. Having that home field advantage definitely has its upside. I think that uh, Santa Cruz has an opportunity to uh, steal a game here. You know, even though that something's telling me that Bisbee is going to be a lot more competitive than I think they're going to be. Um, I feel that Santa Cruz may hang around uh, this one a little bit uh, late in the game and be able to steal one kind of like what you saw uh, Florence do last week. How do you think that this game is going to play out as far as uh, who's going to take home the victory? I'm going to have to stick with my original pick and say that Santa Cruz takes this one. Even though that Bisbee may, you know, see how they performed last game and try to, you know, take advantage of that, I don't see Santa Cruz just lying down and taking it from a team that they know is equally just as inexperienced or, or young as them. And and I think that Coach Tommy Cortez is going to come out with a lot of fire this game. And he's going to bring that energy and transfer it to his boys, and they're going to take it right onto that field. No, I'm definitely going to have to agree with you. I, I will take uh, Santa Cruz to uh, take this victory as well and stick with my original pick. Um, what is something that you want to see from Santa Cruz going into this game that they can improve from last game? Establish that run game. Make sure that Jonathan and Max are back there, you know, comfortably and 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 also make an offensive line make sure that you give them the gaps that they need in order to make the plays to you know to get downfield I think for me uh, I want to see a little bit more consistency on the defensive end you know you gave up 34 points uh, last week now let's uh, cut those points back a little bit and give your offense a chance to uh, win the game for you you know you can win it on the defensive end and I think by uh, stopping Bisbee I don't expect Bisbee to be a passing team at all kind of like what Gilbert Christian kind of showed last week Uh, we do see a lot of these uh, smaller teams run the ball a lot more and I think that's where uh, Santa Cruz is going to have the advantage uh, with uh, Nathan Harris at quarterback is that they're going to be able to air the ball and surprise uh, the Pumas a little bit yeah I think so too so moving on into uh, game five, we have the Santan Foothill Sabercats taking on the Benson Bobcats. And originally, I have uh, Benson winning and you as well. Are you still sticking with that this week? I, it sucks because, I, you know, of course, I want to go with my Pinal County team. And I know that this I, we're going to probably get some, uh, you know, backlash on uh, social media about this from some of the Santan players. But Bisbee was not a team to play with last year. They were totally focused, and and we saw them take down the Sequoia Pathway Pumas pretty easily. Um, And I think that Santan Foothills will have a little bit of struggle. I, I don't think that it will be an easy game for the Bobcats at all. I just think that it's it's going to be a dogfight for two teams that have cats in their name. Yeah, Um. well, the one thing I want to bring up about Benson is that they're not as experienced as they were last year. They lost a lot of seniors, as well as their coach, who helped them become what they were. I am going to have my first change of heart here, as I'm going to take the Sabercats to uh, knock off the Bobcats. Oh, a little good cop, bad cop. Yes, sir. Um, it was just, even though I know, you know, the Paula Verde game, Paula Verde is who they are, I think that Benson is not, going to show that experience that they had last year. And I think having a new coach, you, you, you know, my thing about new coaches, you got to establish that identity first before you start seeing success. And so being that the Sabercats have their coach coming back this year, they ran for over 300 yards on a team. They should have done that too. I'm thinking that the Sabercats are going to sneak this one out this week. So 
Yes, if they if the Sabercats do win, I do take the loss. But I just honestly feel that just because uh, Benson beat a Tombstone team 20 to 16. And if you can remember correctly, Tombstone put the uh, work in on uh, Paula Verde during their scrimmage. And Benson barely squeaked by a Tombstone team whom I've heard is not up to par with uh, some of those other teams uh, in uh, the Southern Arizona uh, area. And so, I mean, it's just something like that. Those numbers kind of speak volumes to me. And I feel that the Sabercats could win by a touchdown or more. But what we're going to see, like I said, this one was a tough one. I had to sit there and, and dissect everything when I was reviewing it. And I was just like, you know what? I got I got to have that change of heart. And I'm going to take the Sabercats on this one. Oh, that's good. I'm pretty sure that that they'll like that. All right. Well, let's move into our final game uh, for week two, which is going to be our game of the week. And it's going to be the Sequoia Pathway Pumas uh, traveling to Trivium Prep uh, to take on. All right. Let's move into our final game uh, for week two, which is going to be our game of the week. It's going to be the Sequoia Pathway Pumas traveling to Trivium Prep to take on the Knights. Uh, the first game uh, for the Pumas, and it's going to be against a, a pretty decent team uh, in the Knights. Uh, how are you seeing this one fair uh, for the Pumas? I see this being a game where they come out completely strong. They have a lot to play for, and I see them taking down the Knights. No, I'll definitely agree. Uh, you know, what I saw, not only from the seven on sevens, you know, but just some of the videos of their practices and and the amount of dogs, like I, I'll just put it blatantly like that. You know, these guys, they call them that, you know, Coach D always refers to them. You know, they're my dogs. They're, they, you know, they come to fight. They're always ready. And you always see that week in and week out uh, with the Pumas. And like you said, they have so much to play for uh, this week. Uh, we'll talk about a little bit about that uh, here in a, in a minute. Uh, but I'm excited to see all the new pieces uh, that are in place uh, for the Pumas and how they execute. You know, you got Norian Banks moving to the backfield this year. If you've not ever seen this guy, I mean, he's he's a beast. And, you know, I know they're going to have him, uh, you know, put in uh, the grind week in and week out and take off a little bit of the pressure uh, from uh, Vinny Sanchez at quarterback, just being that he's, uh, you know, one of their young uh, studs out there. But to me, I feel that if Norian can build a consistency in the run game of for uh, the Pumas, you're going to see uh, players like Michael Luna and uh, TJ uh, Kaylee uh, shine this week. Uh, th- those are some big receivers, you know, and they're fast and they're aggressive when it comes to uh, fighting for the ball. I don't feel that Vinny will show any uh, youth in him. You know, he's a very composed quarterback back there, uh, you know, is not afraid to sling the ball, has made a... A couple of bad decisions here and there, but that's just the inexperience playing at the varsity level. But once he's under center and he gets that first drive out of the way, you're going to see Vinny do what he does best and stay composed and be a leader for his team this week. A hundred percent. I see Vinny doing big things this game and it, it it's going to be like you said, it's going to be a dogfight. There's going to be a ton of emotion in this game, but we need them all to maintain and keep their composure. And I feel like they will do just that and walk away with a huge victory. 
Yeah, I definitely think that they're going to take the victory as well. Uh, so let's uh, recap just so we're on the same page. ALA Ironwood uh, versus Arizona Lutheran. We're both taking uh, the Coyotes for that one. The Florence Gophers uh, and Paula Verde uh, were both uh, unanimous with Florence. Uh, Coolidge versus Tempe, another unanimous pick for us for Coolidge. Santa Cruz uh, versus Bisbee. We're both going to take uh, the Dust Devils uh, to sneak out a victory there. Santan uh, Foothills, uh, you're going with the uh, Benson Bobcats. And I'm going to take the uh, Sabercats to uh, pick up their first home victory on the season. And then finally, the Sequoia Pathway Pumas. We're both taking them uh, to knock off the Trivium Prep Knights. So it's going to be another great week uh, for football for the 2A and 3A uh, divisions. I'm excited to see what these teams do against uh, better competition and to see uh, some of these teams uh, build consistency uh, and knock off teams that they should blow out. What are your final thoughts on this week's games? One thing I'm looking forward to is uh, a couple of blowouts. There's gonna there's a couple of games that we looked at, and you know, as much as we wanted to be there, uh, it was just not necessarily worth the trip because we want to like you said earlier we want to see teams play competitive games and when we know a team should be blowing out a team we don't want to be there to kind of feel like we're pumping up a team you know to hype them up and you know blow them up and try to tear down the other we want to be able to see both teams go back and forth back and forth and see an amazing game Um, not to say that those teams won't have amazing games and the other team won't put up a fight but there's the the main game that i'm really interested in is the game that we're going to, and we're taking the trip out to, to Goodyear, right? Mm-hmm. Taking the trip out to Goodyear to watch the, the boys in black and purple take on the Trivium Prep Knights. Before those games that may have blowouts, this is where uh, we need uh, those uh, students who love to get on their phones or bring their cameras to the game and get some shots, get some highlights, you know? Uh, as you guys uh, saw, we had a week one recap video come out. But we only got video, of course, of one game, and that's all mean you can do at a time. Uh, But I would like to see uh, some uh, students or, you know, family members uh, that can capture some video for us so that we that way, uh, whenever we do the final scores for the other teams, we can show some of those highlights. Because, like I said, it it doesn't uh, just take me and you, you know, it takes a village in order to expose as many players and as many teams as we can. And so, you know, that's what we're asking of you guys this week is if you capture a, a photo or video, Don't hesitate to send it over to us. We'll be glad to give you our email to uh, email it to us or you can send it to uh, one of our social media platforms. But other than that, man, I'm I'm super excited uh, for this week. Uh, But before we close up, uh, you know, um, there's one topic that we did discuss uh, before Friday's matchups. And that was learning the passing of one of the players that we do cover. And, you know, it was a shock to us both. You know, we just want to once again, send our condolences uh, to the Sequoia Pathway uh, Puma uh, family out there. You know, we're here for you guys. If you guys ever need anything or, you know, need to uh, sit down and talk to somebody and, you know, we'll definitely be there to support you guys as much as we can this year. And, you know, it's something that nobody really expects to happen, you know, um, but it is it is life. And, you know, things do happen and decisions are made like that. But just know that you guys are loved, you know, whether me and Loopy tell you, whether you hear it day in and day out from your friends or your family, all of you guys are loved, you know, and if you guys are ever having a bad time or need to talk about something or, you know, you don't feel like you have 
that person to talk to you know we are always available no matter what the time is um like i said we're we're all about this community you know and it hurts me and i know it hurts you to hear this news and it's just something we wanted to talk briefly but like i said if you guys are out there and you're listening just please know that you're loved and we do care about you guys a lot and we just want the best for you guys and never to think that you're alone out in this world not at all. You you hit everything right on the head right there. It it really sucked. And we had to maintain and, and hold that within us so that way we can show the bear support. And it wasn't until it was the next day, I feel like it finally hit me. And uh, and it sucks because, you know, it's just a beautiful young face that, you know, it's, it's that's missing now. But I I know that the Sequoia Pathway Pumas will find a way. They're all in unison of doing this 412. And I know that there's going to be 11 men on the field, but that number 12 is going to be so significant because he's going to be with them every step of the way. Yeah, most definitely. And, you know, uh, we'll definitely uh, be there uh, for the Pumas uh, Friday night and definitely we'll uh, pass our condolences uh, to each and every one of them. Uh, but like you said, as you know, 12 is going to definitely be with them that night. And I know that they're going to play their hearts out for him, uh, not only on Friday, but throughout the rest of the season and as their careers uh, progress in the future. But uh, before we close up, uh, was there any last words uh, that you wanted to uh, talk about? Before we leave, again, I just want to reiterate what D said. We're here for you all. And and what we would like is everybody that we cover, if 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 you can just give the little, you know, the smallest amount, it, it would help greatly. I know that we are all we all have our own you know ups and downs in our lives and i feel like we just don't talk about it enough but it's mainly because we're afraid of being judged and and what other people will think about us but one thing that uh, we wrote chris wrote was we'd much rather hear about your problems than have this problem consistently asking why and we know that another question being asked could have totally prevented that but it's just totally heartbreaking and unfortunate and i just have to say rest in peace you know we'll wrap it up and leave that uh right there um you know best of luck to all the teams playing uh friday night uh we wish you a healthy and injury free game and you guys go out there and do what you do best and that's show up and show out because we believe in every one of you and i believe that this week we might see uh, six victories coming back to Pinal County, and it's going to be something good. So so from the Varsity Breakdown, I'm Daniel Guevara. He's Lupe Ramirez, and we'll see you guys next week. Take it easy.